Hey everybody, I'm Daryl Cagle and this is the Cagle Cast from Cagle.com and Cagle Cartoons. We're a newspaper syndicate and we have around 500 plus papers and we have about 60 cartoonists that we represent. And we put out about 120, 130 cartoons a week and we have some great cartoonists, brilliant cartoonists. And one of the most brilliant is here with me today. I'm here with uh, Monty Wolverton. Thanks for joining me, Monty. Thanks, Daryl. Good to be here. We're going to have uh, a conversation with Monty and look at a bunch of his cartoons. And he's a featured cartoonist on our site now as uh, we're trying to do uh, crowdfunding for Monty. You know this, as newspapers die, so dies our only paying clients for the odd thing that we do. So uh, something that we're going to try to do on Kegel.com is be uh, kind of a, a Patreon for editorial cartoonists to see if the fans can help support the cartoonists and keep them drawing as our, our clients fade away because we don't want our art form to fade away. And I think editorial cartoonists are a very important part of the public debate, uh, especially guys like Monty, who is a, a great progressive voice, a strong voice on the left. And those, those voices are going to be the, the first to die off. I'm afraid as newspapers, uh, fade away, favoring the middle of the road cartoons and the conservative cartoons. I'm, uh, what do you think about all this Monty? Well, I think it's uh, kind of to be expected, the progression of, of things. Businesses change all the time, and we have to move with the, with the dynamics. And I think that's what we're doing here. Oh, look, here's one of my cartoons. There you go. Uh, it's Putin. And you're going to read it. Yeah, and we've cartoon. got rockets falling all over, and they're falling on Ukraine. And it's really a, a visually interesting cartoon with all the rockets raining down. Putin says, it's not too much, is it? Yeah, uh, this, this was fun. It's kind of similar to one that I did about Muammar Gaddafi uh, quite a few years ago. That, what would that have been, 10 years ago or so? Probably, probably more, except in his case, the rockets were falling on him. But, but who doesn't like visuals of a lot of rockets falling? Uh, this is, is a making, nice, strong visual. It's, it's strong. I like this. Uh, not one of your usual liberal cartoons, but, uh, it's, no, uh, it's, it's a not particularly cartoon. liberal. Uh, he's making a sarcastic comment. It's, it's probably insensitive. That's the kind of guy he is. And, uh, but, but what's, what's more insensitive than, than, uh, raining rockets down on top of people. That's you know? true. Now this yeah. is a liberal cartoon and, uh, that's, I think that's kind of sad because why the heck should this be a liberal cartoon? It's only because it's the conservatives that are, are trying to ban books. So you've got a cartoon that says books big at the top. You can ban them, you can burn them, you can bury them, but you can't beat them in a big pile of books. Uh, that's, uh, that's a sad commentary, Monty. It's, it's sad. Uh, you know, there's a guy named, uh, Jason Stanley who wrote a great book called how fascism works. And he points out in there that the banning of books, the suppression of information, the suppression of a free press is uh, an early sign of incipient fascism. And this is what's happening in the country. We're not burning them yet, but we're, we're banning them. But I thought I would take a positive approach here and uh, just, uh, just saying basically that you really can't suppress books because if you burn one, if you throw one away, if you put it in the incinerator or... Uh, uh, you know, run it down the garbage disposal, uh, which might clog your drain. Um, 
then there's another copy somewhere that somebody's going to come up with. So you can't really get rid of books as much as you might try. I just find it ironic that this is uh, a cartoon from the left. Uh, but it is. That's where, is. where we yep. live now. Okay, here's another one. Uh, this one shows three unattractive elephants. One is speaking to the others. The headline is defunding public education. And the elephant says to his brethren, and when our plan is complete, only the wealthy will be able to afford education. Finally, the riffraff will be under our control. Monty. So, yes, this is, I, I just love drawing these kinds of elephants. They're kind of cuddly and kind of rubbery with that texture that I use there. So you do have a very interesting, uh, distinctive style with uh, all the rubbery and the texture. They're fun to draw. And I used to not put tusks in, and now I started putting tusks in for some reason. Anyway, the GOP, they continue to chip away and chip away and chip away at uh, education or funding for education. Until uh, eventually, uh, the idea, I think, is that the public schools will be so bad that nobody will want to send their kids there. And then uh, the only people that will send their kids there are people who can't afford the private schools. Privileged can afford private schools. And uh, the majority of citizens will be suppressed. I think that's the plan here. I just can't help but think that's the plan. This is the kind of cartoon that I would expect to be popular on your social media and not um, reprinted in newspapers at all. I believe um, it was. I believe I don't. Was it reprinted? I didn't. I didn't check the stats on this one, but uh, you know, cartoons that are uh, strongly Republican bashing from the yeah. left tend not to get much ink because uh, you know editors like to be middle of the road. They like to do things that nobody's yeah. going to disagree with. But on your social media, your fans are all progressive like you. And these are the cartoons that they like best. The harder you're bashing the Republicans, yeah. the more they love it. Yeah, I got a, like, a lot of likes uh, for this one on, on Facebook, as I recall. That's one of the things that I think is interesting is we're, we're trying to do the crowdfunding for the artists. Uh, what an interesting difference it will make in, in the work of editorial cartoonists if their client is their fans rather than the newspaper publishers uh, because the fans want the strong, hard-hitting cartoons that cartoonists love to draw, and cartoonists are constantly frustrated by the newspaper uh, editors who, uh, who want the namby-pamby-don't-take-any-position cartoons. And we may see a change in the whole nature of editorial cartooning if we can uh, get support from the fans instead of the newspapers. This could be a very good thing. Well, it would make the cartoonists happy. Uh, we're in a kind of a funny situation where uh, our traditional audience has, uh, actually, it's the, I don't know it's so much the audience, but it's the editors who want to not get any, any letters that disagree as their regulations plummet. Cartoonists love the hard-hitting cartoons, and our fans, who tend to agree with us, love the hard-hitting cartoons. And... Uh, our clients uh, do not. And that's just, uh, it's very frustrating and something that may change uh, as the newspapers go away and maybe it's our fans that support us and uh, even more eyeballs are on our work because we've got the internet. So true. 
Well, I'm hoping that that uh, may be true with our crowdfunding for you, Monty. You're the first one that we're trying this for. It's an individual cartoonist on Hegel.com. And I'm hoping that your fans and uh, people who appreciate your point of view, I don't expect many, many uh, conservatives would make a contribution to you. Those of like mind are contributing to Monty because we, we want to keep Monty drawing as the newspapers go away. And, uh, you know, you can make that possible by going to kegel.com slash Wolverton and, and give money a couple bucks and uh, keep the liberal cartoons coming. And gratefully, we acknowledge your contribution and thank you for your support. Okay. Uh, here's another one. This is the people and they're watching Biden on TV signing a $1.7 trillion spending bill. And the says, Yet another government shutdown narrowly averted. Oh, the drama. This is one of those, uh, uh, a couple watching the news and making commentary on it cartoons, which seem, seems to be a nice, uh, nice little device. The cartoon is really not about the $1.7 trillion spending bill. I like to call it a spending bill. You know, it's just a bill which was signed by God's grace uh, but uh, not without the big idiotic uh, debt ceiling drama that goes on and on and on and will happen again later this year and next year and the year after until they change that, uh, that stupid law. So that's kind of what I'm saying here or what the, for, what the couple is saying, I guess. Good for a lot of cartoons. Bad for well, everybody, though. Yeah. Um, draw a lot of couple watching TV cartoons too, because uh, actually it's it's a cheap cartoonist trick and it lets us draw on any subject without having to worry about how to draw that subject. Well, yeah, it is, and, it is a cheap trick. And when I do it, I draw a point of view from the back of the television so I don't have to draw what's on the screen. So uh, I am certainly lazier than you. I could have done that, but you know, in this case, you had to kind of had to show Joe signing the, the bill kind of. So that, that works that way. Yeah. Yeah. That would have, that would have been a lot easier to just do. A, yeah. But then I would have had to draw the cords and stuff that hook up the, the TV and that's. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here's the mental hospital, the asylum for the fiscally demented and the crazy Republican elephants are all in their straight jackets, uh, looking crazy and demented. And the doctors are standing there saying, okay, time for your medication. Monty, yeah, what the was, heck is going on here? Well, this was about uh, Biden's uh, comment that the GOP is fiscally demented or at least has some kind of cognitive dissonance about fiscal matters. Uh, so this is a cartoon they, based on a Biden quote. It is, yes. They seem, they seem to have forgotten that they, that they uh, cut revenue uh, a few years ago. And now, and now we have a giant debt, which is the cause of the giant debt. Uh, I wanted to draw what uh, being fiscally demented looks like, and it looks exactly like this. I've seen it many <laughs> times. Some of my friends, they look like this, it, with the absence of the trunk, maybe. You know, I should add, Monty, you have a very distinctive style, and it's very reminiscent of your father, who was a, a, a great... Uh, and famous cartoonist, uh, a cartooning historical figure. 
Basil Wolverton was one of the, the founding gang of idiots in Mad Magazine. And uh, it's, it's fascinating that you're a chip off the old block. Well, I, when, I, when I started off doing comic strips and stuff in college, it, I, it wasn't exactly the same way. But then later on, I started kind of picking up my dad's uh, uh, Deacon style and all the, all the little lines and all the, the stippling and, and stuff, which, which takes, takes a lot of time. But, uh, in fact, an editor once told my father, he said, uh, you cover up your lack of talent with all those little lines. So I don't know if this is true in his case, but it's probably true in my case. And here's, well, here's misinformation. Misinformation. So you've got another ugly Republican elephant with his, uh, Big oh, I trunk. think he's cute. Is he cute? He's cute. Look at his cute little tusks. Okay. Okay. He's a cute Republican <laughs> elephant, and he's he's got his uh, trunk sticking out, saying misinformation, and hanging on it as signs: whitewash, black history, QAnon, stolen election, immigration, voting rights. Um, good, good looking, and very clear. You know, editorial cartoonists like signs and labels. Signs and labels. Oh, they, these are all subjects that that are are. Uh, I don't want to say hackneyed subjects, but, uh, stuff that, stuff that we do every day. So this, this comes as no, it's not a new thing, but as perhaps it's a new way. I've never seen anybody take the trunk and do this with it. And, uh, and did you know, Daryl, that there are 14 segments, 14 segments in an elephant's trunk. And there are 14 letters in the word misinformation. Coincidence? Is it a coincidence? That's fascinating. So you based this cartoon on elephant anatomy. No, that's, that's just misinformation. You can be more critical in your thinking, Daryl. I think, I think you do. I... Okay. Very good, Monty. This next one, uh, is the old man in the hospital. He's got, uh, you, I should add that I explain all of these cartoons because this is also an audio podcast and people are listening to this and not knowing what the pictures are. If you don't, if you want to look at the pictures, you can come to our kegelcast.com site, go to my blog at darylkegel.com, uh, where I will post the cartoons. And you can also go to uh, kegel.com slash Wolverton, which is Monty's uh, fundraising landing page that I hope you go to most. And that will show you an archive of all of Monty's latest cartoons. And Monty will talk about, uh, what he's doing and why it's it's great to support a, a liberal cartoonist as the liberal cartoonist will be the first in our profession to die as newspapers go away. So I'm reading these cartoons for those of you that are listening to the audio podcast. Uh, and if you want to see the cartoons, they're easy to find. And uh, you can also subscribe to our video podcast and then you don't have to chase after the cartoons. So old man in the hospital, he's got a bag of blood. Uh, going into his arm, he's got the beeping machine. He's looking at his bill and he says, Gasp, and he looks like he's about to die. And the, the caption is USA, arguably the only wealthy nation that doesn't make certain all its citizens have affordable health care. Well, he could, he could be an old guy. I think he's really only in his thirties. He's just had a hard life, uh, and lost uh, all his teeth, which reminds me uh, of, of cartoonists. And, you know, we're all old guys. Almost all the cartoonists are over 60, uh, and, uh, you know, almost all the, the newspaper readers are also over 60. So we are drawing for a like group, but we do get a lot of criticism for not being diverse and not having younger people in the profession. And that is frustrating, but I think 
kind of understandable. Young people are not really uh, eager to get into a field where you have older people drawing for older people. Uh, we do get a lot of criticism for that, and we do get a lot of unsolicited submissions from people over 60 mm -hmm. and not from young people. And that is, well, it is uh, frustrating, but understand. You have some comments on that? Uh, people are putting off health care. Older people are putting off health care. Younger people are putting off health care uh, because they can't afford it, because they can't afford the insurance, uh, and then things get worse. And, uh, and then they have to take out a loan or sell their house to afford major, major stuff. And what if they don't, what if they don't have a house? Look at, look at this guy. Look at, look at the way his, uh, his EKG looks up there. It's terrible. It's because you know, but off, uh, that is a terrible EKG. Needed. Yes, it is. Uh, I might point out that younger people tend not to think about and worry about healthcare so much as they older don't. people. And uh, in their uh, publications or the web stuff that they visit, they tend not to see much discussion of the issue. Well, until they, until they need it. My comment to, to young people would be, well, it's coming for you. So it's an issue. It is it's a serious issue. issue. Okay. Here's the GOP ugly elephant, uh, cute elephant. And uh, <laughs> he is giving a presentation, and on his his uh, paper flipboard, the paper is blank, and the caption is "The GOP reveals its plan to stop inflation," and of course, there is no plan because the paper is blank. There's no plan. The paper is blank. Uh, it it could be argued that uh, neither does the neither do Democrats have a plan to stop inflation, but that's. Largely because inflation is caused by worldwide economic forces, and not and not just the uh, politics, but the GOP uh, likes that because it can be used as a bludgeon for for Biden. It likes inflation. So uh, another cartoon that your readers would like, and yet the newspaper editors probably would simply because it takes a position. It does take a position. I I thought newspaper editors would would probably buy this one, but I don't I don't think they did so much. Okay, here's Lady Justice, and she's got her sword, and she's chasing after Trump, who we know because he's got his red tie. She says, "You'll never escape. I can smell your tanning spray." Yeah, well, Justice is eventually going to uh, catch up uh, to to Mr. Trump there. Uh, one issue that I faced with this was, uh, this is a statue, you know, it's a statue of justice. It's a personification. So should I, should I do it as a statue with gray skin? That looked kind of weird. Or is it a, a, a human-esque, uh, sort of entity? I chose the human-esque version because it's, it's a little more fun. So that's, that's. A well, I also think out. of justice as having one boob hanging out and, uh, you know, that's one of those taboos for us, too, that we get a lot of complaints from the European cartoonists. Uh, oh, oh, you Americans cannot draw such things. And we actually can't because, yeah, of course, you can draw whatever you want, but if you drew it, nobody would print it. Um, so that's another source of frustration for us. That makes the French call us uh, prudes. I, yeah, I don't know if this is uh exactly the shape of the justice statue, but I thought I... 
handled it and in good taste. I don't it's know. A charm. I have to ask That's a Frenchman. A yeah. Uh, I should say we go to a editorial cartooning convention. I think it's the best editorial cartooning convention in the world every year in France. And uh, you're one of the regulars there. And the French are just, it's just a wonderful place to go where they really appreciate editorial cartoons. Yes. I love going to the convention. Saint-Just Le Martel. You go somewhere where you're, where you're truly appreciated. Uh, here people tend to hate us. At least we hear more from those people. Yeah, we're so divisive, you know. Look at me. We I'm are. Divisive. You know, uh, the biggest newspaper chain in America, Gannett, which not long ago had close to 500 papers, decided to drop all editorial cartoons in all their papers because editorial cartoons are divisive. Uh, that's a terrible but uh, illustrative story of what's happening with newspapers. Actually, we're not divisive. We may do some divisive things, but we're trying to, at least I am, to get people to pull back and take a broader view and laugh a little at the stuff that's happening and not take it so seriously. There were the years of the Trump administration where cartoonists were drawing, I would say a majority of cartoons were about Trump. And they just didn't get printed because editors would not print cartoons about Trump. And I recall the frustration among cartoonists, you among them, me, we wanted to draw Trump and you know, you're drawing it only for yourself because it's just not printed. That's why I, I took to, uh, putting Trump slightly off out of the frame in a lot of cartoons. Cause all you, you got that helped. Yeah. All you got, I don't know. All you got to have is a red tie. I know it's Trump. <laughs> Well, that certainly makes them easier to draw. It does. Yeah, and that. Okay, so this next cartoon has a header, Holiday Scammer's Dream Victim. And the nutty-looking nerd says, Oh boy, a free smart TV. All I have to do is give them my credit card information and social security number to cover the shipping. That's, that's, that's very good characterization. Uh, unfortunately, there are plenty of vulnerable people like this uh, out there who keep scammers in business. And I think particularly them, among the elderly audience of newspapers. That's just exactly what I was going to say, probably my age and older. <laughs> but here I, I didn't paint him as an older person. I used one of my, uh, one of my characters. I like to reuse characters. Uh, this is my wide-eyed, earnest, naive character. Uh, I think I used him as a cult member or something once, but, uh, I've used this guy a number of times before and he seems to, to work here. And I thought, you know, this would be a nice public service thing to draw people's attention to the fact that, uh, you need to think twice when somebody calls you and asks. And I do enjoy all your crosshatching and, you know, very often, Monty, you draw hair that looks like it came out of a Play-Doh extrusion mold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't know okay. how else to do it. <laughs> okay, next cartoon. couple are looking at uh, two burning fires of social media and crypto. And the man says, what's that? Arson? Terrorist insurrection? A Russian missile? And the lady says, no, just natural socioeconomic forces at work. That's, that's good. It almost sounded like I was out of Monty Python. Um, oh. 
uh, yeah, here's, here's another case of a couple commenting on the news and, uh, except they're not looking at the television. They're looking at some, uh, some, some burning signs, which makes sense for us editorial cartoonists because we do so many labels and signs, labels and signs, and then smoke and stuff, smoke and fire are always in the news. So you can kind of play off of that. And, uh, and I think this, this one got fairly good results, if I recall correctly, even if in newspapers, it's not, it's not really partisan. It's, yes. Uh, not really left or right. And then when the news is about uh, burning social media and burning crypto editors like, so here's some more burning. The header is welcome to the epoch of fire. The city is on fire with, uh, the devil in front and the devil says, I thought it was what you wanted. I mean, based on what you've done to the environment. But anyway, you'll get used to it. Yeah, here's another character. I, I've used a devil character a lot, and I have this one devil that I do. Uh, what he's suggesting here that's different, I think, is, is that we're really getting collectively what we deserve. Unfortunately, that's not exactly the way it works. The people on the bottom of the economic ladder are getting the brunt of stuff and the people on the top, well, they can always get in their private jet and fly away from the fire. Uh, but perhaps that's the subject of another cartoon. Good looking city on fire. Yeah. City on fire. It's not really burning. Is it? The fire could be behind the city, but in any case. It's coming up on the city. Yeah. yeah it's probably getting warm in those buildings there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This one, the header says a gun violence victim speaks from the afterlife. Your thoughts and prayers and $4 will get me a cup of coffee. Now go pass some real gun control laws. Uh, yeah, this, this one disturbed me as I, as I did it. And, and I, I kind of She's a victim and she's dead and she's an she's angel. I hoped it disturbed everyone. The sort of, the sort of irony, I think that's irony. I don't know. Let's assume for the sake of argument, there's an afterlife and, uh, and that uh, it's limited to Homo sapiens, and uh, uh, which go back about two hundred thousand years, and so uh, then you. So figure, there's no doggies in heaven. Well, I think there's going to be dumped in heaven, but this is just for the sake of argument. So uh, you figure about one hundred and ten billion. That's what they say. One hundred and ten billion Homo sapiens have lived in the last two hundred thousand uh, two hundred thousand years. And you figure a homicide rate, uh, homicide, world homicide rate is uh, 1%, which sounds small right now, but it's probably higher. Uh, uh, let's say 2%. So that means at least 2 billion people in the afterlife are victims of homicide and uh, agreeing with her. And maybe more if you count war as homicide. There's a lot of, a lot of people who have, who have died and are sort of, uh, um, whether or not you believe in an afterlife, they're, they're condemning us for not doing something about it. So that's, that's what I'm trying to get across there. Well, very good. And, uh, unfortunately that one is also a very liberal cartoon. Hmm. This one, Monty is interesting because this is the most popular cartoon you've ever drawn in your many years with Kegel cartoons. Uh, take a step back and say, why is this your most popular cartoon? This is a uh, skip loader pushing a house off of a cliff, a lovely rocky cliff. And uh, it says tipping point, question mark. 
and the sign pointing at it says rising mortgage rates, rising home prices, rising construction costs, low inventory. Uh, this just seems to be what editors really wanted to say. Uh, I think of your work as being so uh, hard-hitting and distinctive, and uh, this is, uh, you, you know, this is a middle-of-the-road newspaper cartoon that is not uh, not your kind of thing, except those rocks are wonderful. Yeah, is that is that is that funny? There's there's uh, three reasons that people that this might have been successful. Uh, editors like bulldozers. That could be a reason. Uh, people are concerned or editors believe that people are concerned about housing, which they are housing prices going, going up and about to, to crash. Well, that's a major part of the newspapers. They all have big yeah. real estate sections. They all cover the housing and money stuff, uh, in disproportion. I don't think it's, uh, popularity had anything to do with any of those reasons. So I think it's people like gravel, people like gravel. Yeah, that's great. Gravel. That's the, uh. That's a thing there. This uh, prominently features gravel. It's down to earth. I think you really took work. joy in doing the gravel on this. I did. I took great joy in doing it. Took about. Okay. Uh, it took a couple of days just to do the gravel. This is your second most popular cartoon ever, and you've been with us like fifteen years, Monty. Um, your number one and number two cartoon of the whole fifteen years has it been fifteen years. Uh, it seems like it's been longer than that. I think to 98. Time just crawls by. To 1998. Is that 15 years? Yeah, it is. Matter of fact, no, wait a minute. 98. That's, we, 20, we, that's 25 we years. We hadn't started yet in 1998. Oh, okay. Right, we okay. started in that, 2001. That was the that was the preliminary things. Um, so this is Monty's second most popular cartoon. And the firemen are... Uh, pointing their hose at the hospital that's on fire and smoking. And uh, one fireman says, there's no fire. It's just healthcare workers burning out. Healthcare workers burning out. Uh, one of my neighbors did just that. Uh, she stayed in the, in the business, but she, she was in, uh, she was working in a, in an ER in a COVID ward. And it just, uh, it just got to her because uh, those people are not compensated. Uh, our most expensive system in the world is unable to cope with the vicissitudes of epidemics and pandemics. And ER workers take the take the brunt with high stress and long hours. So that's that's what I was trying to get across. And that's also, uh, you know, probably the top topic that editors want is uh, health care for their elderly audience that's mostly interested in that. So, of course, editors are going to want this. Yeah, I get it. Okay, uh, this cartoon is Lena the Hyena, and I put this in here because you have such a famous cartoonist father, and this is one of the most famous cartoons ever. Uh, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about this. Uh, this is known as the ugliest girl in the world, um, and uh, give us give us some history on this, Monty. In, in 1946, my dad had been working in... in uh been working in comic books for, for years. So he was an established comic book uh, cartoonist, but, uh, he entered uh, this contest. The Lena, the hyena contest was devised by El Cap, uh, in, in his strip, little Abner. And, uh, uh the sequence uh, of events leading up to it was, 
this was supposed to be Lower Slobovia's, uh, the fictitious country of Lower Slobovia's ugliest uh, lady. And uh, they wouldn't show her face and they wouldn't show her face. So they had a, a contest. They ran a contest where various artists submitted ideas of, uh, about what uh, Lena looked like. I should add that at this time, Al Cap was drawing Little Abner and Lena the Hyena was a popular character that you never saw in Little Abner. And Little Abner was just crazy popular. This was like at, uh, on the top rung of American popular cultural stuff. So this was a, this was a contest that captivated the nation. This was a big deal. And the judges of the contest were no less than Boris Karloff. Salvador Dali, and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I told someone that and they said, no, I don't believe it. I said, no, I have a New York Times article here that says that. And they said, well, if the New York Times said it, I believe it then. So that's back when people believed those things. Uh, and anyway, he, he won first prize. Uh, he got a lot of, uh, a lot of publicity over this. Uh, it was published in Life magazine. He ran some other features in Mag Mad magazine, and his his career took a turn from uh, from regular comic books to sort of, sort of a more illustrative thing, caricatures, and this this type of uh, this type of work at that time in the in the late forties and, and the early fifties. Um, the prize they for must the have gotten tens of thousands or. Hundreds of thousands of entries to this contest because uh, Lil Abner yeah, was so I don't ubiquitous. Uh, Jack Davis submitted an entry. He submitted, I think, three entries. Uh, and he's he's a he's a big name. There were several several big names that submitted entries. I would like to see his entries, but I don't. He he threw them away. I guess I asked him once. Um. So, uh, but my, but the prize was five hundred bucks, and. Uh, uh, my father got several several hundred fan letters from it, and he answered every one of them. It took him more time to answer the fan letters than, than to do the the cartoon, but he but he did that because that was kind of a guy he was. So anyway, well, this made a made a career for him. It, it's what uh, launched him into Mad Magazine. It did, yes, and he did. There's a cover of Mad Number no. Eleven, which is similar to this, and some people think it's Lena, but it's not Lena. Look up Mad Lumber 11, you'll see the difference. I do remember that, and that's also uh, very famous. Well, so there we go. I just want to reiterate that uh, Monty is uh, doing a crowdfunding on our site, and it's at uh, kegel.com slash Wolverton. And uh, as our clients die off, we want to see if we can ask the fans to support the cartoonists that they love. And, and Monty is a great cartoonist for so many years, and he's really established his, uh, I want to say, unique style, but you look so much like your dad. Uh, and uh, he's uh, he's great. He's, and he's, he's got sort of a family company kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, uh, I want the cartoonists to draw stronger cartoons and uh, we wanted to lead off on cartoonist crowdfunding with monty because he's uh he is very much on the left and he draws very strong cartoons and he's very unique and i think that he's 
someone that should have a supportive fan base and someone that I would really hate to lose from editorial cartooning. And we want to keep him drawing. And we really appreciate your support at kegel.com slash Wolverton. And uh, Monty, tell us some more. Well, at times, this has been a uh, challenging uh, profession. Uh, it has never been really up to like, a full-time job out of. Uh, you have to, to come up with uh, a certain number of cartoons every week, whether you feel like it or not. Daryl knows what this is like as, as well as all my colleagues. You might be having other problems. You might be having uh, all sorts of family problems and deaths and illnesses and stuff, but you still have to go to the drawing board or the computer and come up with something that's interesting and is, is cogent and is, is uh, accurate and newsworthy. I don't want to say it takes a lot out of you. Actually, I, f I find it energizing. Uh, but I think, I think the, the challenging part is, it, is that you have to do that no matter how you feel. And uh, I heard that somewhere I heard that that's a difference between a professional and an amateur as a professional comes through with something, whereas the amateur, uh, you know, can do it if he wants to or, or she uh, can take it or leave it, which is fine. It's fine because by definition, amateur is something you love, but the professional has to come through with us every every day or however often so that's the difference that's that's my observation on the on, on that those type of of uh, businesses and editorial cartooning in, in particular well we love you monty and uh we want you to keep drawing don't ever quit and uh be as hard-hitting as you want even if we can't get the newspapers to print them okay i'll continue to do that in fact i think i have a, i think i think i'm late on the on the uh on the next cartoon aren't i Oh, you're always late, Monty. So oh, thank, you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us and being with Monty. And uh, everyone, please remember to subscribe to KegelCast. Go to KegelCast.com. But wherever you're watching this, please just click the subscribe button so that you don't miss us. And uh, we will continue to have conversations with uh, wonderful, great top pros like Monty Wolf. And uh, please do go to uh, kegel.com slash Wolverton and uh, you can read some more from Monty and see an archive of all of his work. And I hope that you will uh, choose to support Monty with uh, a couple bucks or whatever you want to do. And Monty will write you a nice thank you and we'll, we'll put you on our mail list and you'll get to see all of Monty's cartoons and all of our cartoons in your mailbox so that you don't ever have to think to go somewhere for it. And, uh, hey, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you, Monty. Thank you, Daryl. It's been great fun. Okay, that's the end. And uh, we'll see you on the next Kegel cast. <laughs> <laughs>